Very, very excited to be in Sydney of all places, uh, very far away from Colac, with uh, Tim Ferguson, who, as I said last week, is all Doug Anthony All-Stars, or don't forget your toothbrush, and a bazillion things in between. Welcome to LOL Radio, Tim. Hey, great to be here on LOL Radio. Thank you so much for having a chat. Now, when I do bring your name up in conversation, there are many different uh, things that pop in people's minds. The majority go, hey, it's the DAS guy, or they say, don't forget your toothbrush. But in between and since, there have been uh, so many different things that you've been involved with. Writing, for instance, you have a book out at the moment. Yes, I've got a new book out. It's called Carry a Big Stick, which really is actually an autobiography, which was hell to write, Jonathan. It was... It was hell to write. You'd think that uh, writing a story of your own life would be simple because, well, you know the story. But seriously, who remembers? Like, who remembers what they had for breakfast two days ago? Only crazy people. And then I thought, you know, once I'd amassed a whole bunch of stories, and a lot of them are funny stories, it was still kind of boring because, like, so what was my life about? You know, what's this story about? I had to decide what the meaning of my life is. Like a, a Monty Python-esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the meaning of my life? But death. Every sperm is sacred. I kind of came up with, you know, a solution of sorts. It doesn't cover everything that happened in my life, but it's, you know, the kind of uh, basically tracks the journey from being a kid who went to nine schools to being a guy who occasionally is the teacher. Awesome. Well, um, comedy-wise, uh, it's a pretty big leap from busking on the streets of Canberra to taking over the world of comedy and now mm. teaching comedy. What was it like back in the, in the early days of uh, getting into the whole Doug Anthony All-Stars thing? Well, when I was first, you know, trying to be a comedian and working with Paul and Richard... Being a comedian was not regarded as a good career option. Yeah. These days it is because people have seen that you know Jerry Seinfeld has made more than half a billion dollars from comedy. But uh, in the 1980s, it was regarded as you know the the dumbest thing you could do yeah. as a career, and it was you know regarded as you know not worthy. So if you had talent, why would you waste it? Why wouldn't you piss it away being on stage unwatched? And so uh, uh, when it started, you know, it was uh, supposed to be a hobby because uh, the Doug Anthony All-Stars didn't take it as being anything too serious. But then once we gained a little bit of traction, we sat down and came up with a 10-year plan, um, which was just a wish list of things we wanted to do. And we got all those things done in three years. And so... Then it was just seven years of hanging around and selling the t-shirts. Yeah. So what are some of the highlights from those years for you? Oh, well, it was, you know, touring was always great fun. Um, It's a bit of a lonely sort of existence if you're a solo comedian, but with two other guys and the entourage that slowly gathers over time, it was always fun. It was like having a moving pack of non-stop party animals. You know, there were, I mean, there were lots of great gigs that we did, but the main thing was just having a game. Yeah. Turning up in a new country and you don't have to take a photograph of any public monument to remember what's going on. Well, the thing is with the Doug Anthony All-Stars is you were your own... There is, there is no way to describe 
the brand and comedy you guys created. What were your influences? We didn't have many influences uh, as far as comedy goes. Probably the strongest one, Jonathan, was a guy called Jerry Satterwitz, right. um, who we discovered only after we'd gone to Edinburgh. And Jerry is the world's most offensive and abrasive Scottish, Glaswegian, Jewish comedian. Uh, he is breathtakingly offensive, still is, always yep. was, still is just as you know passionate about his uh, subject matter. I can't really repeat any Satterwitz jokes. Yep. And you won't find Jerry Satterwitz jokes on YouTube because they are all... Blacklisted. They're blacklisted. They are sub or, yeah, deeply offensive. But we saw Jerry, and for the All-Stars, this was not so much a revelation as a confirmation that we were on the right track, that you can have a career uh, offending people and offending them often just by the truth. <laughs> which is what they're laughing at. Yeah. And so uh, from the Doug Anthony All-Stars meteoric rise uh, to all sorts of other jaunts that you've uh, had over the years, how have you come to teaching people to be funny? Oh, I met a whole bunch of screenwriters, Australian screenwriters, and I went to see Australian films, um, and the only good ones were the comedies. Yep. Uh, the Castle and, uh, you know, Croc Dundee and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and Muriel's Wedding. Uh, these were all great films and all of the dramas apart from Lantana and Gallipoli were just crap. They were miserable, moping. They were like teenage poetry put on the screen. And it occurred to me that there'd been a misunderstanding of what a story is. That a story isn't just about an issue. That just because there is a, a scary, awful issue doesn't mean that's enough. That if you want to get an audience, you've got to make them laugh and cry and, you know, if you can, get horny and make them think. And I met a whole bunch of screenwriters and only a couple of them thought comedy was worthwhile and all the others were like, you know, actors in the 80s where they thought that, no, tragedy, tragedy and making people miserable is, is a purer art form. This is bull twang. <laughs> it is not true. And it's not just because, you know, combining comedy and tragedy uh, gets an audience and makes money. It's because it just doesn't work. If you set out to just make people cry, we should just walk through nightclubs pinching them on the arm or kicking them in the shin. Um, and so I thought that I will go and talk to the comedy teacher of film and sitcom. And there was none. There was no one in Australia who was teaching this stuff. And so I thought, well, somebody's going to have to step up and, and start getting in writers' faces and tell them this simple idea that laughter and tears go together. You can't have one without the other and be interesting. And so The Cheeky Monkey was born. Yes, I wrote a book called The Cheeky Monkey, which tells people how to do this. You know, it's out there on the internet, hell, I don't know where. Go to iTunes. But it's called The Cheeky Monkey... It's about writing comedy for the screen, comedy with a story. And uh, having written that, I just started teaching around the country. And there's nothing like moving into a business where there is a giant need and absolutely no one providing a product. I'm still baffled that uh, the only other persons in the country who uh, can teach this stuff are... Uh, 
Chris Anastasiades, who's one of the writers of the Wolf Boy franchise, and a guy called Rastus. Uh, his real name is Vin Hedger, and he teaches at RMIT and teaches comedy and comedy for sketch writing. There's no one else. Like, there's nothing else. This I find outrageous, if only because screenwriters are being ripped off. But, you know, it's their dime, and if they're not smart enough to put their hand up and say, tell me how to be funny, then it's their own lookout. <coughs> because being, writing something funny is not some mysterious art form. It's just like writing a drama. It's just like writing a tragedy. There are things that work, and they've worked for a long time, and if you want to write anything, then it's, uh, it's worth knowing what those things are, instead of blundering around in the dark being miserable. Well, uh, finally, you, you're still doing stand-up uh, now, although it's kind of a bit more sit-down, as you say, uh, these mm-hmm. days. <laughs> but uh, what, what keeps you coming back? Oh, the, the, uh, the arena of stand-up comedy is irresistible. Um, once you've done stand-up comedy, uh, nothing else seems dangerous apart from skydiving or experimenting with poisons. <laughs> you know, it's dangerous, but only to your self-esteem, which is, you know, still quite dangerous. Um, I love the cut and thrust of it. I love the risk that just because you've, you know, written a show and you've done a show a hundred times and the audience is there to see you, you still might fail. They just mightn't laugh. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, it will be because it's windy outside. When it's windy outside, people come inside and it takes a while for them to relax. They're like horses. Horses get spooked. Startled, yeah. Yeah, they, don't, they, they get a bit skittish. And so, uh, uh, you know, doing stand-up comedy on a windy day... And that's, you know, you're taking your life in your hands. (laughs) Well, uh, Tim Ferguson from uh, the Cheeky Monkey Comedy Writing Course, thank you so much for having a chat to us today on LOL Radio. Oh, I love LOL Radio and Colac. (laughs) Woohoo! Thank you so much.